my friends. Hello. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I failed you last week. I've been failing you in a lot of ways. And I don't accept failure very easily, or very gracefully. But the fact of the matter is, you must be very gentle with me this week. You must be very forgiving. Please. Because... I, I feel myself slipping away. I feel myself growing more and more tired. And I feel myself... Losing myself. I don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore. I oscillate between loving and hating you, between embracing and hunting you. I don't know if the things I fear and the things I love, the winged trio, my dark stranger, are alive anymore. Or if they ever were real to begin with. I find that I'm confused. But, of course, isn't that to be expected? I don't know what I am or who I was, but I know that what I am is a thing that destroys and consumes, and yet I also know that it is wrong morally to do so, yet if it is what I was designed for, then what is the right answer? What is the right answer? For me, if a lion is designed to hunt and yet it pities its prey and lies down with it in peace instead, is that not wrong? That is what I thought. Until last week, when I saw someone. No, not my stranger. If I had seen him, I think I would have an easier time believing it. I saw someone I know to be dead. To have been dead for hundreds of years. Someone I cared about. Quite deeply. At a time when I thought such a thing was impossible. I told you about him. My hunter. The man who fought me for many years, before the two of us finally grew tired of that and became companions. Both of us trying to track down the creature who made me. It's a long story that I've already told, but somehow I loved him. And I saw him last week. I was woken up by a smell, the pleasant human smell I recognized from all those years ago. And when I rose the room I've been staying in dark and cold, I saw... Standing in the corner of my room. Him. As he was when he died. Old. Frail. Wise. Only a shell, physically, of what he once was. But intellectually, he had reached his highest form. He was more himself than he had ever been. He was masked in shadow, but I knew him immediately. I tried to speak to him but he only looked at me with a sad expression on his face. I stood to go to him, to plead with him for answers, to embrace him, perhaps. But I suddenly felt so weak 
and so strange that I collapsed. I heard a few footsteps and a disappointed sigh, and by the time I stood again, he was gone. How he had left, I have no idea. But he did. He left me alone once more, and I have no idea why he visited me. No idea why he looked so sad, or why that sigh was so disappointed. So ashamed of me. Be gentle with me, friends. I feel hurt, as if I've been wounded, but I don't think I have. I'm confused. I have a story, nonetheless. I think. Once upon a time, there was a girl living in a castle. She wasn't a princess. She wasn't born in that castle. But she found herself there anyway. Why was she there? Well, you see, there was a beast. Ah, uh, this story sounds a little more familiar now, I think. Anyway, this beast... It was larger than a man with huge, sharp claws and yellow eyes and coarse black fur all over its body. Its teeth were sharp and its snout was long. But even with its wolfish features, it stood on its hind legs that were not dissimilar to a human's. It had a vicious sneer on its face that could make the bravest men tremble. It had only been glimpsed a few times, but news spread in the town of its presence, and it was both feared and hated. And this beast, for the most part, had kept to itself. There were whispers, rumors that it had once been human, but was now cursed with ugliness and animal-like cruelty. But no one knew for certain, until recently when the beast had, for whatever reason, begun to visit her village at night. It would roam around destroying property, killing livestock, frightening the citizens. Even with an evening curfew, no one really felt safe. And, more and more, this beast was costing the town with its wanton destruction. Why now, they would ask, if they had had time to care about the why and how of this situation. But they hadn't. Instead, more murmurs began to circulate. Murmurs of sacrifice, of appeasing the creature, of giving it the thing these monsters from folklore usually want. A young woman. The most perfect example of life and beauty in its prime. And this girl was on her own now. Her father had died not long ago. She had no brothers and sisters. She had no husband or children. She was alone. She was the only and the best option. Kicking and screaming, they threw her in a carriage. They took her to what they believed to be the deserted castle in which the creature lived. They dragged her out of the cart. The doors were already open and were in fact broken. They would not shut. But they threw her inside anyway, knowing she wouldn't return to town. She would never be welcome there again. And, it being winter, she would never survive the journey on her own. And just to be sure, they boarded up the front door from the outside, locking her in. They left her there, 
She didn't dare speak or call out for anyone, in the event that she might wake the beast and bring about her own demise. The silence within the castle was chilling. The place was at least a couple hundred years old, and it had clearly not been cared for in that time. Someone had ransacked the place, for furniture had been knocked over and some of the paintings and sculptures had been torn or smashed. Dead flowers decorated the place, and her feet left prints in the dust on the floor. So, this was day one. She scrambled upstairs as quickly and silently as she could. This castle had more rooms than anywhere else she'd ever seen in her young life. Yet that day she wasn't interested in having a tour of the place. She quickly peeked around the door of a bedroom to check that no one was hiding inside, and she pulled herself inside and locked the door, where she sat on the dusty, beautiful bed, and she wept, silently. Weeping when you're alone is a strange thing, I think. You know you can't accomplish anything. No one can see you or hear your cries, so no one can help you. So when we do it, why are we doing it? Because we can't help it. And isn't that terrible? You're not in control. In fact, often we are weeping because of that lack of control, and we are just displaying that weakness for ourselves. Celebrating that. I know that that's not what we're doing. But it's that lack of control that she couldn't stand. She was trapped here as an offering to a beast, and she was forced to wait. Perhaps it wouldn't find her if she stayed in here, and starved. She crawled into the dusty bed and found it to be extremely comfortable and soft. No matter how hungry she was and how afraid she was, she had this bed today. She wept and she hid in it, expecting the beast to burst into her room at any moment and devour her. Eventually she slept. Day two came soon enough, and she was surprised to find herself alive again in the morning and the sunlight streaming in through the bedroom. She looked out the window, at the snow gently falling and the bright sun, and she saw a beautiful courtyard with hedge sculptures, statues, fountains that hadn't been used in years. How beautiful! And she felt hunger gnawing at her. She somehow mustered up the courage to slowly, quietly, carefully open the door to the bedroom. She looked around the corner, just sunlight in the hall, cutting into the dust. No beast, no one. She found her way downstairs, exploring room after room, looking for a kitchen, a pantry, something. She found, first, a glorious parlor with novelties like musical instruments, beautiful chess sets, gorgeous crystal chalices and she couldn't help but stop a moment to admire these things. 
She moved on to a beautiful, peaceful library filled with more books than she even knew existed in the world. Busts of authors she'd never even heard of. Paintings of some noble family long forgotten. She moved on to the courtyard, which she thought to cross to explore the other side of the castle. The cold had created a pond of ice in the large fountain, and she saw her reflection in it with the snow falling upon her. And she couldn't help but marvel at her own sad beauty and the beauty of the nature all around her. At the very least, she had found a well. She may die of hunger, but not of thirst, at least. Eventually, she did find a kitchen. It was completely empty. In a rage, she smashed a few plates to the ground and screamed, stomping her feet, weeping with the fear again of dying in this castle one way or another. She raged in the kitchen, destroying everything she could get her hands on, until she froze, realizing the commotion she was creating. Surely, if the thing was here, it hurt her. In terror, she ran back up to her room and locked the door and hid again for the rest of the night, the pain in her empty stomach keeping her awake. Day three. A dark, stormy day with frigid wind howling outside her window, and snow so thick she couldn't see the sculptures of the fountains in the garden. The hunger was almost unbearable now. She opened the door and checked. The hall was empty, of course. No one had looked for her in the night, not even after the noise she'd made. Without fear, she wandered the upstairs halls this time, trying to distract herself from the growing pain in her empty stomach. She looked in each bedroom, brushing dust off the beautiful, priceless artifacts, looking at portraits and imagining what might have happened to each person in each painting imagining that each person could possibly be the cursed beast. What happened to you? What did you do to deserve such a fate? Is it terrible being a beast? <laughs> she was almost delirious, giggling to herself a little as she conversed with each portrait. She caught a glimpse of herself in the mirror, her face pale from hunger and her eyes sunken from exhaustion and her hair disheveled from madness. And she made herself up as best as she could. I might as well make myself presentable for this beast, she thought to herself with a little sarcasm. She found a beautiful, elaborate gown in a closet in one bedroom. Well, I might as well dress for the occasion if I am to die soon. She found gorgeous jewelry made with expensive jewels in another room. Someone ought to wear them. If I am to be killed anyway, it can't hurt for me to take them. She descended the stairs, now a lovely, ghost-like vision in her dusty, exquisite dress and her priceless jewelry and her strange features. She went to the ballroom, perhaps the most clean and beautiful room in the place and she just sat in the middle of the room, on the floor, waiting. She welcomed the beast at this point. At least they would be company. Maybe she'd even win the fight and have something to eat, she joked somberly to herself. 
nothing. Hours and hours of nothing. The sun set, and she sat there, and she felt weak and mad from hunger. But there was nothing. They left me here with nothing. The people in my town. I wasn't bothering anyone. I lived, I minded my own business, I had nothing left, but they took even that from me. I have no one. I am no one. She clenched her teeth as tears fell from her eyes. But she wasn't sad. She was enraged. How dare they? Her hands fell to her sides, onto the beautiful marbled floor. Her fingers dug into the marble, scratching it and raking across it as if it were clay. The fools. Her teeth felt like they were aching and growing. She was so hungry, so angry. They will pay. She felt like the hunger was ripping her apart. And in fact, something was ripping apart, but it was the back of the beautiful gown. Button after button popped and the seams ripped, and she felt like she couldn't get enough breath into her lungs, like her ribcage couldn't quite expand as much as she needed it to. And her skin itched. It burned, in fact. And her fingernails scratched it. It tore at the dress, tore at her skin, tore at her hair. And she opened her mouth to scream, but what came out instead was a low growl. And she looked at her hands, and she saw the beginnings of black fur and long wolf-like claws. And she found herself laughing. <laughs> she stood. The dress fell in shreds at her feet. She walked towards the front door which she was able to break open completely. And, just before her face began to twist and grow and change into the great, hungry beast she had somehow forgotten she was, she took a deep breath of the cold winter air and she smiled. As I was saying before, a beast cannot be ashamed that it must hunt. It does not have the option to stop and feel shame. Your disappointment means nothing to me. Though I will accept your love, if you have it to give. Not much else, though. I don't think I could bear to accept anything more than that at this moment. Good night. Hello everybody, this is Kristen Zaza. Everything's back to normal, yes? Do I owe an apology? I don't think so. Um, I certainly hope not. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed episode 28 of On a Dark Cold Night. 
This week, I'd like to give a huge thank you to Mariana Miniotis, who interviewed me about this podcast for her awesome blog, Pod Creatures. I had such a great time. She's a really great interviewer and a huge supporter of Toronto podcasts and podcasters. So please check out her blog at podcreatures.ca. Thanks so much, Mariana. In other news, I now have a press kit for the podcast. So this means that if you're interested in the show and are looking for more information or want someone to listen to it but aren't sure where you can point them to to learn more, this press kit is for you. You can find it on my website at kristenzaza.com press. As always, if you want to support On a Dark Cold Night, please feel free to buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight, or to become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. You can also help by listening on the Radio Public app, where every listen counts towards me as the podcaster getting paid. Other ways to help, you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podknife, my website, or you can send any questions, comments, or thoughts to me at darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. All feedback is really appreciated. Thanks so much again for listening, and a huge thank you in general for your support and your kindness and your interest. It means so much. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Stay well, friends. <laughs>